Hey everyone, welcome to C3 Corumbans Podcast. We want you to know that you are loved by God who is love. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy this message from our preaching series, In Christ. Just following after, this is called In Christ, Clothed in Love. And I have a, um, a subtitle, What Am I Going to Wear? So I'm just going to read um, out of Colossians 3, 12 to 17. And um, so I'm, I thought I'd read in the message today because it sort of goes with how I want to, this metaphor of um, dressing, you know, in clothes sort of thing. What are we going to wear? What am I going to wear? So this is uh, Colossians 3, verse t- starting at verse 12. So I'll read this. Um, so chosen by God for this new life of love, Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offence. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic or purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And, I love this, cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives words, actions, whatever be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. And we thank you, Lord, that you are here as, as uh, Kath prayed. And, and Lord, we, we thank you, God, for your presence here today. And we commit this word to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So point one, we are, I love that where it says, chosen by God and every one of us in here whether we've actually encountered Christ or given our lives God ha- God wants you if you're not there yet we are chosen by God we're selected for his team amen and I love this in out of J.B. Phillips New Testament in 1 Thessalonians 1 4 and it says we know brothers and sisters that God not only loves you, but has selected you for a special purpose. Isn't that beautiful? And in the message, I I like it too, it says, it is clear to us, friends, that God not only loves you very much, but also has put his hand on you for something special. Isn't that beautiful? So every person here, whether you've received Jesus or not, He loves you very much, but not only that, for goodness sake, wouldn't it, it, just him loving us is enough, isn't it, really? However, he also has put his hand on us for something special. Each one of us as individuals and as a body of people, each church, isn't that beautiful? Just this beautiful choice. And how is this? How are we to find that special purpose and that love? It's in community. Amen? It's we discover that love, his love, 
and that special purpose by doing life together. Amen? We are better together. And point two, I, I just got that heading, what am I going to wear? And we all know what it's like, especially the girls and some guys, you know. Um, <laughs> no, when, we <laughs> when we, we've got a wedding coming up or a special event and we look in the wardrobe and think, what am I going to wear to this wedding? I have nothing to wear. And, uh, and they're, you know, like, but, and I want to say to, I've been asking myself since I had this scripture <laughs> to preach on because, you know, you always get tested on stuff. And, um, you know, so I'm sort of thinking, okay, what am I going to wear today? Am I going to wear love or and you know, am I going to be angry at my husband? And or, you know, like all those things. <laughs> in fact, I might, I'll t tell you something funny in a minute. <laughs> I just thought of it then. So no, I'll tell you now before because I might forget. But this morning, okay, he he has these favourite long pants, right? They are now. They're very old and they're shabby and they're faded all down here. And, um, and I knew he was going to put them on. And I, I, I said, "Hun, just in case we need to get you to pray or anything, you know, no one's going to look at me. Everyone will in those pants. <laughs> so look at him. He looks fabulous. He changed and, and even put boots on and... He, he said, I'm, I'm taking these boots. He's had them for years and hasn't worn them. And um, he said, I thought I'd take them out for a spin. Uh, anyway, so, so I'll just go this. So we, we know now, everyone in this place, you are, I want to tell you this morning, you are chosen by God. You, you, and you're not here by accident. You know, today you're chosen. He had a plan. As he had a plan for the four of us, you know, like 40, 56 years ago, Kath and I, as I said, he had this plan. And it was a special plan. It's, we're not famous or anything. We're just ordinary people. But this is what it's all about. It's fulfilling that special purpose the, that he has for us as individuals and a body of people. Amen? And just, I'll just go through these quickly. So I like to see these things as sort of, most of us wear undergarments. And, <laughs> and I just thought, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that because I know some people don't like undies. But, <laughs> but so I'll just read that again. Cho chosen by God for the new life of love. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. And this is it, so I'll go through this quickly. Compassion, and I remember hearing a preacher when we first got saved, compassion is love in gear. And I thought that was good, you know, it's an active thing. It's, and that indicates a very deep, deep feeling that Christ has for people, you know, and he loves people. And it's, it's like an action love word. Kindness. It's defined as a virtue of a person whose friend or neighbor's welfare is as important as his own. That's, that's a pretty high standard, hey. Humility. And remember, we're looking at garments here. 
you know, as we put them on, we're dressing in this. Humbleness of mind, the character of Christ to be like him, to have a character that seeks no special rights of our own and the good of others. Quiet strength, meekness. Word, and this is a, I thought this was a good example. It's word used of an animal. It's um, praus in Greek or something like that, but it says it's been trained and domesticated and completely under control without his spirit being broken. So that meekness is just like the sense of um, this strength without our spirit broken. Is that, you know, I thought that was really good. And then in um, the message, he says discipline. But I quite like the, the, in the other versions, it says gentleness, patience, patience or forbearance and being even-tempered, content with second place. And that word, forbearance, is... When we were chatting about this the other day when we did the Christian life, remember that? Apikia, this beautiful word. So, and, and it says, let your apikia be an attitude that you have, that we each have um, to all men. I, there's a lot in it, so I'm not going to go in there, but it means it's sort of like sweet reasonableness and remarkable Christ, Christian grace, Kent Chance said, the great uh, theologian. So, you know, it's like letting things wash off us quickly, you know, and, um, and that takes a strength that we don't have ourselves. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. Whatever his instructions are in his word, We'll never do it because we're so human. We're made of clay. We just, you know, normally awfully human. And, uh, but God, through, with Christ in us, as Kath mentioned, that we're able to do these things little by little. Amen? And I was just thinking, just speaking a little bit about relationships. And, and um, I want to use... I know Pastor Chris is going to speak. I cannot wait for that word um, because he's amazing. Uh, you know, like as far as marriage and everything and how they've got such a great marriage. And uh, next week he'll be speaking. So don't miss that. But I just want to use this um, sort of example of, you know, a couple when they meet and, and it sort of meet them and, and it's like um, you, you're like a magnet that attracts, you know, like. And then after a while, you know, you might get married and it, it, this, and because I, this is sort of relevant to all, it's like Kath said, we're one big happy, good, bad and ugly family, aren't we? You know, you didn't say that, Kath, I'm just saying that. <laughs> but, but just this... Um, with all our faults and failings and our brokenness, you know, and, and, you know, it's like a friendship or a marriage and when you meet and you fall in love and stuff and then you start thinking, you know, you get to know that person a bit more and, and then you think, who are you? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> just this... And many years ago, it was probably... 20 plus years ago, we had a conference at Greenmount Guest House 
Greenmount um, Resort in Coolangatta down there at Greenmount. <laughs> That's right. There is a place called Greenmount. Anyway, um, <coughs> we uh, we had a. It was a C3 Church conference, and all the senior pastors was there. You came to that, didn't you, Chris and Kath? <laughs> I thought you did, but I think you did. But anyway, um, and we. Uh, we had a guest, a visiting speaker called Sandy Culkin, brilliant, from the States. And he did the DISC personality profile. Has anyone heard of personality profiles? Yeah. And uh, so, and the great thing is, oh, gosh, he was great. And it was revelationary and revolutionary for our, 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 our relationship. And uh, so all the senior pastors, they filled out their forms, you know, and then what you do individually, obviously, in the couples, I'm talking about the married couples, and we, would, and we had an appointment with Sandy Culkin and uh, just to go through. And so he'd look at your chart and then give us some help. And... Uh, <laughs> but we were, you know, like filled it out and we're sort of going, you know, in, had, sitting down and uh, thinking, oh, you know, this is, you know, we're the perfect match, <laughs> you know, like, um, we're, this is going to be great, you know, and uh, not that we thought we were really because we had, um, we were both broken and uh, had lots of clashes and fights and in those early years, we're too old now to fight. But, um, yeah, we, but we still do. But, um, <coughs> but anyway, um, he's, he's looking at it. You know, he's, he's, he's got the chart here and, and he's, he's looking at us and looking. And then he looks at Eric's and then mine. And he said, um, we're sitting there, you know, waiting for the good news. And he said, wow, you guys must really clash a lot. <laughs> and, uh, <coughs> because... But it, the thing was that it was sort of like there was apparently because of our personality profiles and that's why, you know, like, um, yeah, over the years, it's been a journey. Hey, babe. But we, uh, we love each other more than ever. I must say that. I just, he's the best guy. He is the best. <clears throat> but so... That's what it's like in the house of God. Amen? Just sometimes we, you know, there's a chemistry of friendship on that. But And even with Chris and Kath and Eric and I over those years, we've had some, you know, like disagreements. And uh, I thank God that they're still here with us because, you know, they could have left any time the way we were. And, you know... But anyway, I won't go into that now. But in Proverbs 27, I thank you guys. I honor you today for your friendship. You are amazing, both of you. If you've got a friend and, and you know, like, hold on to that friend because it's gold. And I know that um, sometimes things happen and, and you know, but, but yeah, just hold, hold on there. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Just as iron sharpens iron, a person sharpens the character of his friend. Who knows that? You know, God uses or capitalizes on our humanity. 
we have blind spots that we can't see ourselves. Amen? And some of you would uh, have learned, actually, when we did those personality profiles or at some stage, was it, or was it CareForce? We learned about the Jahari window. Has anyone heard of the Jahari window? Yep, Chris, Pastor Chris. Of course he has. <laughs> Love you. Um, so, okay, so there is a, a four-paned window. I wish I had it up there. But, um, you know, like it's like a window with four panes, four different uh, compartments. Okay, and the two bottom ones are unknown to others, like there's a hidden area and the unknown to others as we look on, and then the two top ones are known to others, and that's the open area where we're open. And then we've, we have our blind spot, which is unknown. And so the open area is known to us, you know, when we know about who we are and, and stuff like that. And then there's the blind spot that's unknown to self. And Jesus, he speaks about this, when he says, and I'm going to read this to you out of the message because I think it's good. It's um, Matthew chapter 7, 1 to 5. And I'll start reading it out of the message and then I'll um, go into the NLT because I wasn't, I wasn't keen on how um, Eugene Peterson put the second part of it. But um, I just want to say to you, you know when, um, say to us all, I've been thinking about this lately, how the Word of God speaks that he prunes us. It's Life is a wrestle with God sometimes, you know, and, and, or, and uh, there's the boxing thing, you know. And we, I've just been thinking that we prune one another and we don't even know we do. You know, whether it's a marriage or friendship or relationship, Whatever, that God is always at work capitalizing on humanity. Amen? And I want to say that when we bruise one another, you know, a bruise takes time to heal. So, you know, and I'm going to speak a little bit about forgiveness as we go along here. And, um, but um, in 2012, I, I had a fall on my head. Now, we can't, you can, it's okay, it's good, I think, I think I'm okay. <laughs> but anyway, the, it was, um, I fell down some slap steps and uh, sort of, yeah, it was really dark and Eric was there and Dan and Beck, but, um, but a bruise came out. We were going to Sydney and then we're going to, or flying out the next day and in the morning, um, I started to get a bruise in my eye because it hit here. What, why I'm giving you this example is that, that that bruise came out more and more as the days went past and we were down at a conference and I had this black eye and <laughs> I think they were looking at Eric as so, so, so I had, but um, I had to explain it, you know, and you try and cover up but the bruise, but a bruise changes colour and a bruise takes time to heal. Amen. It, there's just this, and eventually it did. And um, I was talking to Eric about this. He says, I've got a picture of you there. <laughs> you can put it up on... No, I just... But just, you know, like, I, I, I don't want to light, lighten this, that when we do life together as the, as the church or, you know, 
because I'm speaking to the church today, that we bruise one another on the way and sometimes we wound each other deeply. And those things take time to heal. And so, but I want to talk, just go back to this thing of the blind spot and how Jesus, he's so amazing, his word, because he talks about the log and the splinter. And I was, you know, take out the log out of your own eye, but I might read it out of here. Um, both interfere with our vision. You know, like, when, who knows when you've got something in your eye how awful that is. You know, like, and, and I know that um, Phil, my son-in-law, recently had metal in his eye and Eric's had, you know, and it, it's dreadful, the pain. And um, I remember Emma scratched her eye one day and it was painful for you. So we've all, everyone can relate to this when something's in your eye. It distorts and interferes with our vision. So we end up sort of a little blinded, so to speak, metaphorically. And this is, I like the way um, Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticise their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. And then, why do you see the splinter in your brother's eye but not notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, sister or friend, I've just put there, let me take that splinter out of your eye when you have the log in your own eye. First take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly so that you can remove the splinter from your brother's eye. Isn't that beautiful? The words of Christ, the wisdom and the love that comes through this. And I, I just want to read this comment in the Spirit-filled Bible. It says, Jesus doesn't forbid criticism, opinions, or the condemnation of wrongdoing. What he forbids is the spirit of severely critical fault-finding that overlooks our own shortcomings while assuming the role of supreme judge in regard to the sins of others. How powerful is that? You know, I just thought, what a great... It just makes it so clear. You know, and in... Philippians 1 verse, I think it's, I'll just check, Philippians 4 verses 2 and 3. And I'm going to read this to you because this is about the two girls and some of you would have heard of them. Please don't name your kids after them. It's Eudea Syntyche and another guy or girl, it's Syzygos, okay? So bear with me as I read because what I'm going to do, because I looked at the meanings, meaning of these names, and Eudea is a good journey, so I'm going to read their meanings, okay, because that's easier to pronounce. And, it, and it's quite significant, I feel. But this is Paul's heart for two girls that had once, that had followed him, and they were in church and involved. So let's read it from the Message Bible. I urge Eudea, a good journey, and Syntyche, oh, there I am, I've said it anyway. And so Eudea means a good journey, and Syntyche, means fortunate, to iron out their differences and make up. So it must have been quite a conflict, whatever that was, that caused it. God doesn't want his children holding grudges. And oh yes, Sisgus, happy, and happy event. That's the name, of that, that's the meaning of that person's name. Since you're right there to help to work things out, do your best with them. These women worked for the message hand in hand with Clement and me and with other veterans. 
Work, they worked as hard as any of us. Remember their names are also in the book of life. Isn't that a beautiful portion of scripture? And Paul knew, the thing is that Paul knew what it was like to have conflict because he, before, years before would it be, that he had that conflict with Barnabas and they had that split. And, um, but he reconciled with Mark and all that. That sort of came good. But he knew that when these girls, he was grieved because they, they were so powering for God and then bang, they hit something that brought conflict. And, and he just wanted them to reconcile. Amen? So point three is forgive. And that's verse 13 of Colossians 3, verse 13. It says, quick to give, to forgive an offense. And forgive as quickly and completely as the master forget Jesus forgave you. And, you know, like, uh, remember when Peter, when Jesus was speaking and, and Peter says, um, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother is it seven times and then it's okay if he keeps doing what he's doing? And it had to be Peter, didn't it, to ask that question. How many times? And Jesus replied, no, 70 times seven. In other words, as often as there is occasion, you need to forgive. And as I was saying before, that, that um, forgiveness takes time sometimes and there's a process and so much we can read on stuff like that. But it's one of those things that can bring um, division in a family because we're all broken. We all have stuff, don't we? We're, we all have so much brokenness inside of us. And, uh, and that's that journey of healing when we come to Christ. And uh, the basis of forgiveness is made possible through Christ who forgave us. And I, I just want to go to this guy called, uh, out of um, um, Job. Who's heard of Job? Most of us would have heard of him. If you haven't, he lived at the time of Abraham. Now, this was... You wouldn't want to, you know, even imagine what happened to him. He, his family, all his kids were having a party one day. They were all together. And was it a, a, a tornado that hit the house or something? What was it? Yeah. And they all died. And then he lost all his wealth, all his um, health. He lost health, wealth. And all his health and all his wealth. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm trying to give a poem now, there, but it didn't work. <laughs> didn't mean to. It just sort of, but and it's it's not even funny, but <laughs> and plus, and as far as he's concerned, God's against him too. He he just feels the wrath of God on him. He's he feels separated from God, and the long come three friends who were very sorry comforters because in essence that they implied that his suffering was a result of some sin and they tried to work it out and they they condemned rather than consoled him and I just think you know we were chatting with Chris and Kath about um Joe that was funny we got on it somehow is that and you know like we, in our humanity, can represent these three things, th these th 
three friends, we try and bring solutions and we try and figure out why. There must be something here that you've done wrong or whatever. You know, this... And, um, and he's just feeling... He's, he's going further and further into a pit. He's in pain physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, full of grief. And he has these friends. And, you know, I, d- I just want to read this beautiful, beautiful scripture to you. Because God's sort of not saying much and, until as it goes on. But if you haven't read Job for a while or if you've never read it, it's the most magnificent poetic um, book. It's just phenomenal. And you see God's beautiful love for um, mankind and in there. But um, so I, I'm just going to start here. Then it's finally Job spoke again. And he said, I have heard all this before. He's speaking to the guys. What miserable comforters you are. Won't you ever stop blowing hot air? What makes you keep on talking? And this is one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. Beautiful portions of scripture. He says, I could say the same thing if you were in my place. I could spout off criticism and shake my head at you. But if it were me, I would encourage you and I would try to take away your grief. And this is what, you know, I know it's a high aim for us, but I just love that because he was, he was an elder before this all happened and he people would come to him and he would minister to them and they would go away with words of life. And, but I just, I just love that. But if it were me, feeling like I'm feeling now, I would encourage you. But just that part, I would t- t- try to take away your grief. And I just think there are times when we need to step back and think, What's going on here? You know, whether it's someone that doesn't know Jesus yet or, or someone that does or someone out there, maybe it's an employer, you're our employer or employee or a school friend or a family member. What's happening? You know, I don't... Just that... Maybe they're crying out. But if it were me, I would encourage you. Maybe they're crying out, I could spout off criticism and shake my head at you. But if it were me, I would encourage you. I would try and take away your grief. This high road, higher road in life that God wants us to take. And after all that, God responds to Job. And... That is magnificent, Job, Job the forty-one. How he, because he sort of lovingly reveals himself to Job in a way that Job never saw God before. Like things like, "Did you set the stars in the sky?" And he just goes, oh, "I, I don't want to go in there because I don't want to run out of time here." But it's the most beautiful, magnificent piece of scripture. And then Job responds to the Lord and says, Lord, I'm sorry, God. 
you are in control. You know that, you know God, he, he never explain, has to explain himself to us or to this world. And sometimes we have questions that are too, you know, in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says the secret things belong to God. And sometimes he tells us our whys, and sometimes he doesn't. And he doesn't, you know, he, he's not afraid of what people think of him, <laughs> you know. He, he doesn't feel as if he has to explain himself. Amen? But, and he just spoke to Job, and, and, and then Job made this most amazing statement. And he said, oh, oh God, after this beautiful monologue from God, and he said, I had heard about you only by the hearing of the ear, but now my spiritual eye sees you. That's the amplified. And how often, you know, like, do we go through trials and, and you know, or, and maybe you're here this morning and you've heard about Jesus dying for you and, um, the resurrection and Easter, and, but you haven't actually seen him. And he wants to reveal himself to you today. And after that, I just finish, you know, go to this, God speaks to Job's friends and he says, you haven't been good friends at all. <laughs> That's a paraphrase, but it was more or less. And he said, you need to go and sacrifice seven animals. What were they? I can't remember. But they, 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 almost, they had to repent of the way they treated him and with harshness, really, and trying to figure out answers, which only God knew. And then his friends respond, and they do that. They humbly go. And... Do you know how, what it finishes? It says, Job prays for his friends. Job 42, verse 9. And the key to this whole scenario, and, this, and, and it says, when, when, it was quite amazing, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before and I just think you know that is amazing it was like God required Job and he brought this peace he didn't wipe those three guys out and you can, can you see his redeeming grace through this this beautiful red thread through this amazing account in the word of God because before Job had said I know my redeemer lives you know, he, he saw Christ. So I, I just want to go back to that just as I conclude. Um, in Hebrews 12.1, and just go back to the wardrobe, right? Come with me back to that wardrobe where, what am I going to wear today? <laughs> Look in your wardrobe. And um, in Hebrews 12.1, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses 
to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. You know, that in that those race, you know, the Roman Olympics, they ran naked. Did who knew that? Does anyone know that? <laughs> Can you I've got I would love you, Pastor Chris, because you're in such a a great mood today. Would you do an illustration for me of this? I've got I wasn't going to, but because you put your hand up then, because I know that you would love to run naked. I know, not that I'm going to get you to today. But just, Hunt, just give him that, those, that. I want, Chris is going to give me an example. Give us an example of the heavy coat that we choose, we can, it can be a really, you know, we, where, it, where Paul says, let us strip off. Every weight that slows us down. <laughs> Come up here. Come up here. I, I wasn't going to do it, but I just brought it just in case. But this is, try and run with that coat on. <laughs> Let, I want you to remember this, church. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So all those stuff that we get... We, we don't need to. We need to run naked, so to speak, you know, metaphorically. But just there's another coat in there. So strip off that. And this is a daily thing. You get in that wardrobe and, and put on. Put, can, can you, yeah, why don't you put it on? <laughs> it's white, so it's put on. And regardless of what else you put on, what else you put on? Put it under your shoulders properly. You're not putting it on properly. <laughs> Wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. And this is... As, where is he? <laughs> okay, this is... Okay, you can go now. <laughs> Give him a hand. Thanks. I didn't know whether I was going to do that. I had it just in case, but he put his hand up to do it before I even asked him. But so what am I going to wear? What are we going to wear, church? You know, it's... I know I'm going to get tested on this this week. <laughs> but, you know, I love this, this thing of... Um, it's, do you know, it's nothing... You know that putting on love? It's nothing to do with emotion. It's a course of action. It, you know, we don't feel we want to forgive ever. My goodness. And sometimes it'll take longer than others, but it's like this action, this decision that says, okay, I'm going to do this in your strength, God. Can't do it on my own, but I'm going to do this in your strength. And, and just one step, one day, it's just that, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to act and then that the emotion comes eventually and sometimes that wound, you know, is a lifetime but it's, you, it's just a thing between the individual and God. 
so what am I going to wear? And do you know, I love the end of that where it says, and cultivate, he says thankfulness. There is something that happens when we, in thanksgiving, amen, to our whole being. And there's the last garment in 61.3. So put on all those things and then wrap the cloak around or the, you know, with love. And, uh, and then that in 61, in <clears throat> Isaiah 61, what does it say? It says, I think it's verse 3, it says, put on the garment of praise for in place of a spirit of heaviness. Amen. And that's what we did this morning as we sang to him. And it's like an action and we see ourselves. I love that metaphor of dressing and wardrobes and clothes. And I... I just want to say, let's close our eyes this morning. And I want to say to you that Jesus loves you and he has a special purpose and plan for your life as we went back. And, and um, you're not here because you decided to come. God drew you to himself. And whether we're a Christian or not or... We're on our journey, whatever that is. He's saying, come as you are. He's saying, each one of us, he's right where you are today. He's right where you are. Oh, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. Lord, just as we are, we come. Just as I am, I come. Lord God. And I want to say to you this morning, if, if there's anyone here and you, you know, sort of you relate to that where Job said, oh my gosh, I did hear you with the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes, I see you too. I see your love for me. I see you have a plan for my life. I couldn't see it in, in the darkness. But I see you now. I would love for you to put your hand up. And I'm going to, I'm not going to ask you to come out the front or anything right now. But we'll be here if you want to come down after and have a chat. And, and we'll give you a Bible and so let's just pray, church. I'm going to say this prayer, and if you've never said this prayer, just um, put your hand on your heart as you say this. And it's just a prayer that I, I um, prayed 48 years ago, and I've never, ever, ever regretted it. And uh, Jesus loves you, if only... I could, it's like Kath saying before, to get that revelation, and it takes a lifetime to get the full revelation of his love. 